This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. Time for Silver and Black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Welcome back, Raider Nation. It is time for Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Thanks for being back with us. Hope you had a wonderful and joyful Christmas with your family and a holiday season overall. For all of you who might not celebrate Christmas but still enjoy this great time of the year, uh, we are back here talking Raiders football in what is, again, another difficult time frame. And doing that, I am Scott Branson. My co-host is Mr. Mo Moten. He is the national NFL writer for Bleacher Report. Also the Raiders columnist up on sportsnot.com. Make sure you catch his work. Also follow us on Twitter. Mo is at Mo Moten, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully. Don't forget, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it. You're going to need it to get through these next few weeks here, the holidays. You got all those family at home. You need to step out, go on a walk. Listen to us. We can take you with us. By the way, I'm going to give a shout out, Mo, at the top of the show here to one of our loyal uh, listeners, Jim McCreary. Jim sent me a note on Twitter, a DM, talking about how we have gotten him through his 1 a.m. shift at work uh, all these months during the season. So I want to give a shout out to Jim and thank him and all of you for listening to the show. Mo, you had a great Christmas. I know you had to work like so many people out there. And thanks to all of you who got us through the holidays working, including not only those keeping us up to speed on what we love, like the NFL, like Mo, but the men and women that are plowing streets in Buffalo, all over the country, the people working at the airports, all of you out there sacrificing so that we can have a great holiday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mo, how was your Christmas, man? How was the rainbow cake? First of all, I want to give a shout out to Jim for getting through a, a tough season because it's oh, yeah. been I, I've been through and covered some tough Raider seasons. This by far is probably one of the most frustrating because of the expectations. Yeah. But to answer your question, uh, even though I worked 
14 hours on Christmas Eve. At the end of it, I was able to eat some cake uh, after a Raiders loss, albeit, but the cake was good. (laughs) The game wasn't, but the cake was exquisite as usual. And it was able, I was able to get through a a frustrate, another frustrating night writing Raiders content with a, with a plate of cake on my left side. So I I had that with me. So that made it better. And, and, and I, I feel bad for Raider Nation, obviously, for Christmas Eve. You have a game. You love that because everybody's home gathered, most people not working, okay? They get to watch the game. Like, we watched the first, almost the first half, and then we jetted off to church uh, for, for Easter, uh, Easter, excuse me, Easter, Christmas Eve <laughs> um, uh, services uh, at late uh, on, on Christmas Eve. So that was great. So I was having you and Evan— and and my my priest uh, Father Barry, if he's watching this, will not be happy to know that I was getting text messages on the score <laughs> from these guys. But but I thought I thought you and Evan, because Evan stuck Evan's in the eighteen million inches of snow up in Buffalo, um, and and I I checked at the time when like right before mass started because there's a concert before, and then after mass started, I only checked one time, so it was pretty good. Uh, and but I was like, did these guys forget to text me because there was no scoring? But there was no scoring. Mm-hmm. It, it was very low. I mean, I expected it because of the frigid Cold. temperatures. Yeah. But I expected a lot more from the Raiders run game in particular. We'll get into that. But it was just an ugly game. But as we'll talk about, I kind of expected it was an expected ending. If you watch the Raiders from the first week of the season, it's basically what their downfall is basically what we've seen over the past yeah. weeks, months to the season. So very no, much it, the only thing they've been consistent at is sort of how they lose games, right? They're not consistent on offense. Defensively, they've gotten more consistent as the year rolls on. There's a big misnomer in Raider Nation about this defense, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes um, here on the show. Uh, but but we'll get into that. But we have to start, too, Mo, I think with, to me, the elephant in the room that some people don't want to see. It's like it's invisible or they've they've covered it with a, a cloak of invisibility, and that is the, the the lack of performance by the offense. I get a lot of folks after the game on Christmas Eve as we were waiting for Santa to roll up to our house um, was the idea that this defense, again, cost this team the game. It gave up the last-minute drive, and Kenny Pickett, the rookie with a not-very-good offense, came out and did it. But you look at the Raiders' offense again, Carr, uh, going in and, we're, and it of course it starts it starts with the car wars we got to throw the graphic up there because this this <laughs> most of this show is going to be adv- about that because that's where we are unfortunately car went three of four for 44 yards and a touchdown on the first drive of the game that first drive like so many we've seen this year mo look great then he went 13 to 26 130 yards no touchdowns and three interceptions the rest of the way if you look at what this offense has done, they were not able to capitalize on three defensive stands uh, in, in the second half. Then they had back-to-back interceptions before a third drive would end in a punt. This team, remember, the defense held the Steelers to three points in the first half and partially through the third quarter. Okay, three points. The offense could not get it going. We'll get specifically into Derek Carr in just a moment. But, Mo, as you saw that unfold, what was it? Yes, the conditions, but what was it with this offense that we saw them, again, unable to capture the early momentum they had and carry it forward through the rest of the game? 
I felt like when it was clear that Derek Carr was off, and I know you were at mass, but as I'm watching <laughs> at home, it was clear that Derek Carr was sailing passes throughout the game. And a lot of people want to blame Josh McDaniels and the frigid temperatures and this and this and that, but watch the game. Derek Carr's ball placement was not good on Christmas Eve. A lot of overthrows, including that last one of Hunter Renfro at the end of the game, which was an, it turned into an interception, but he was off and... I tweeted this during the game. I said, let's throwing more Josh Jacobs because Josh Jacobs was getting, I mean, he wasn't blowing holes in the Steelers defense, but if not for some penalties, he would have had a big play. I remember there was one specific play. I believe he had 25 or 30 yards on a run, but it got mm. called back on a face mask by Foster Moreau, who was horrible, by the way. Foster Moreau had <laughs> a way. bad game. Yes. One of the interceptions wasn't on car. One of the interceptions actually bounced off Foster Moreau's hands, turned into a pick. The other two definitely on car, but Foster Moreau didn't have a good game. And I felt like Josh McDaniels, knowing that Derek Carr was off, knowing that there were penalties there, that that, that callbacks a big place, he he needed to run the ball a lot more earlier. He didn't do that. Uh, that was one fault. And I just mentioned Derek Carr's sailing pass is not good. And that's why the offense pretty much stalled. I know a lot of people want to blame the conditions, but you brought up the stat about Derek Carr and Nicole on our previous show. And it's a, it's a real issue for him. And it's I know we're going to get into this later on, but it's why I don't think he he would waive his no trade clause to go to a cold weather team. Right. I think deep down he understands that he doesn't play well in cold weather. He's a he comes from a warm weather con, uh, environment, played with mm -hmm. the Raiders in now in a dome. Why would he want to play for a team that plays their home games in December and January if you make the playoffs in the cold? So that showed up again. But it's 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 odd to me that people want to blame Twitter's very. And social media in general is very, it's either this or that. It's either Derek, all of Derek Carr's fault or it's all Josh McDaniel's <laughs> fault. As I just explained, or the they defense. both share, or the defense, but they both share a lot of the blame for that loss. I'm not blaming the defense for this one. No As way. you said, the defense did its job. It, even with the injuries, Chandler Jones yeah. going down, Denzel Perryman going down at the end of the game. We had Sam Webb out there still playing because Rocky Asin is still hurt. Four starters out on defense. Right, considering the what the Raiders... Game. Considering what the Raiders had on defense, they they did their job. And yes. I, I think there was a tweet out there saying, well, if the Raiders had held the Steelers to nine points. And I'm saying, no, if you hold a team to 13 points or one touchdown, whatever the case may be, you should win that football game regardless of the conditions. Yes, and and just just to, just to give an, an example of this, and I want to get into the defense. We're going to get into Josh Jacobs and, and that in the next segment. We'll also talk, obviously, about Derek Carr. But I want to go back to a couple sequences, uh, especially one in the second half, Mo. Third quarter, Raiders, uh, again, can are f just futility on offense. They give the ball back to the Steelers. They hold the Steelers to a field goal in the third quarter. It's 10 to 6, right? Uh, and, and what do they do? They hold them to a field goal. They get the ball back, and it's three and out again, okay? Their response to the Raiders' defense was to go three and out. And then in the fourth quarter, they do it again, three and out in the fourth quarter. The defense holds the Steelers, and then the Raiders come back out with the advantage. Your defense just said, hey, guys, we held them. We're on the road in frigid temperatures. We just held the Steelers. Here's the ball back. Raiders, what do they do? Three and out. Then Pittsburgh comes out that last drive. So many of you want to criticize the Raiders' defense for that last drive. Pittsburgh takes advantage of the exhausted Raiders defense. This defense was gas. I watched the film yesterday because I didn't watch the second half when it happened. I watched it. 
These guys were on the field nonstop, as we've seen over the last four games in particular. Okay, so they give up the 10 play, 76 yard drive, um, and 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 they the Steelers get their only lead with 46 seconds left in the game, and you want to blame it on the defense. That's what I don't understand. So you look at that situation. And the defense itself, Mo, let's stay on this defense. We'll get to the offense and Derek Carr in a minute, but the defense is in the top 10 the last eight weeks when it comes to holding opponents to lower scores, okay? When it keeps opponents, they've kept them under 21 points. 13 to the Steelers, 17 Patriots, 17 Rams, 13 Chargers, 21 Seahawks, the only time they went over 17 points, and 16 to the Broncos. Since the three-game winning streak, the defense... Mo has only allowed 15.7 points. Now, you're going to tell me the defense needs to hold teams to less than 15 points to win? In that same time, the offense has averaged 16.7 points uh, in this one and two stretch over the last three games. I don't know how people don't see this. What I, don't, I, I, what I feel like is that some people don't understand complementary football. When your offense right, is right. not moving, when your offense is not moving the ball with consistency, it impacts your defense because, as you said, your defense is on the field a lot, especially in frigid temps. There's an even bigger impact. I believe in that second half, the Raiders didn't have a drive that was longer than six plays. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. when your defense is constantly on the field in those conditions, yeah, of course, it's going to eventually wear down. And you saw Kenny Pickett throw those dink and dunk passes to Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth. You saw some big runs by Najee Harris. The reason is because your defense is gassed because your offense is not giving them a breather. It goes hand in hand. So for people who want to quick to blame the defense, you have to look at complimentary football. If your offense is not producing, it impacts the other side of the football. Right, Mo. And I want to say this, too. In this game, defense already without four starters, okay? Right. They lost Chandler Jones and Denzel Perriman during the game and still mm-hmm. gave it the off- offense the opportunity to take control of the game. Again, three points in the first half for the Steelers. Then you go to the second half. The Raiders forced, the defense forced three straight, three straight scoreless possessions in the third quarter with a 10 to 3 lead. And the Raiders' offense did nothing with that. So, to your point about complimentary football, Yes, the Raiders' defense has to get better from a body's perspective, from a talent perspective. We've talked about that all season long. But over this eight-game stretch, for those of you who want to fire Patrick Graham, the defense, even with a spat of injuries, has played their best football. It just has. You can't deny when you look at it. I'm not saying every player has played their best football, okay? But without starters, without injuries, they get Nate Hobbs back, they use they lose Rocky Sin. So so all this stuff happens, and yet people still want to heap it on the defense. It's frustrating, but this is <laughs> but this is why I said you have to remember there were a couple of weeks ago people were wanted to fire Patrick Graham. Oh yeah. And I said, and I always say in November and October, when people want to fire coaches and bench play, I say not not bench players, but coaches and fire them, I say. Let's let the season play out because right now we cannot complain much about what the defense is doing. Now the Raiders have gone three and three and one in that stretch, but can you imagine if they beat the Rams as they should have, they're still alive for a playoff spot at this point. Mm-hmm. But even during the stretch where the defense has played well, Carr has not on the night that the Raiders lost to the Steelers. I tweeted Carr has had a 55% completion rate or lower in four consecutive games. Yes. He has 
nine interceptions in his last five games. You cannot tell me that whether you're a car supporter, staunch or not, you cannot tell me that's good football and that's not impacting a defense that's already shorthanded in certain areas. But it's not all his fault, Mo. See, this it's is part of the problem. Well, correct. Problem. And this is this is the, this is the key because there are some people out there and we know who they are because we we've we've seen them for years <laughs> that that everything is Derek Carr's fault. The earth right. tilts on its axis Derek Carr's fault. Okay? Mm-hmm. The price of gasoline goes up, not Biden's fault, Carr's fault, right? We know those people, but we're dismissing that. We're dismissing that, okay? We're talking about those of us who look at it from a perspective of, okay, you just call a spade a spade. When you see it, you call it, right? So Derek Carr has not played. You and I both were on this show, our last show before the season started. We both said Derek Carr is going to, we felt he was going to have an excellent year. Mm-hmm. We knew there would be some struggles getting familiar with the playbook, all that stuff. We knew that would happen. But we said at the end of the day, we believed he would have a great year, maybe even MVP type because of the system and the weapons. That's where we were at. Okay. So before people want to say, oh, you guys hate Derek Carr. No, but he has not played well. And if you don't want to admit that, and if you don't want to admit that in the NFL, it is a quarterback driven league. Yes. You have to have a defense. Yes. You have to have an offensive line, but the quarterback is key and and tantamount to being a championship club. It just is. You have examples and we'll get into them in just a minute. But all of those things can be true. The Raiders' defense can need to get better, and their quarterback can be sucking backside this season as well. It can happen. Both things can be true. I almost said the word. I'm trying to keep it family-friendly here. So, um, But we're going to get into that, Mo, because we want to talk about the situation with the offense, with Derek Carr, when we come back from the break. I know it's tough. We're into that negative territory, but we got to get through this and talk about it. And we're going to be real with you. We're not pulling yes. punches. You can call us idiots. You can do whatever you want. We don't care. We're just going to tell the truth. And I know those that appreciate it will gravitate towards it. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get into why Derek Carr hasn't performed well this year and why it's not getting better. In fact, towards the tail end of the season, it's gotten worse. You're listening to Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey Originals podcast with Mo and Scott. We'll be back right after this break. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back. It is Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. We cover all things Las Vegas Raiders football. We are summing up, tying a bow on this holiday season. I know it's a crappy gift. It's like a re-gift almost. The Raiders 13-10 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. He is Mo Moten. I am Scott Branson. Uh, we would love for you 
to join us every week as we drop the podcast. So please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, uh, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, doesn't matter where you get it. Just look for Silver and Black today. Subscribe, put on the auto download. Also, if you're watching us on YouTube, yes, we are back. We appreciate you guys being with us. Subscribe to the channel there. Hit the notifications bell so you know when we have a new video up. Okay, Mo, let's get into this stuff. We we, we started to talk about Derek Carr last segment in the offensive struggles, but I, I want to go back to some of these things with Derek Carr and some of these stats because they're undeniable. And it has nothing to do with liking or not liking Derek Carr or thinking he should come back or not come back. These are just numbers. And so I'm going to read some of these, Mo, and, and, and I want to touch upon why people don't think he's part of the problem, not all of the problem. This Raiders team has plenty of problems it needs to fix, folks, okay? It's not only Derek Carr. But in the NFL, your quarterback is the key part of your offense, and that quarterback has to play at a high level or you do not win. So here we go. Career-high 19 turnovers this season, including the most interceptions in his career at 14. He ranks 26 in quarterback rating and leads the league, as I mentioned, with the 14 interception. He has the lowest completion percentage since his rookie season. He's ranked 31st in the NFL currently, his third lowest passing yards in his career, and uh, he's not um, also, uh, from an attempt perspective, it's down, but it's on par with 17, 19, and 20. So for those of you who want to kind of excuse the numbers away by saying, well, they're not letting him pass the ball enough, that simply isn't true. Also, we've heard a lot about people saying, well, if he had an offensive line, he'd do better. He's been sacked 27 times so far, Mo. He was sacked 40 times last year and had a record year, 51 uh, back in uh, 2019, but uh, he had a 69, com 69% completion percentage back then. So all the numbers for Derek Carr have trended downward throughout this season, and to me, when I look at the numbers and I compare them to previous years, including years where he had a new playbook, a new coach, a new offensive coordinator, a bad offensive line, they still don't excuse the way the performance we've seen from number four. Yeah, and I talked about this, I believe, on Christmas Day. I think on the morning of Christmas Day, I said, I'm not going to dive into Car Wars because I want to enjoy my Christmas, right? <laughs> but I had I had a series of tweets. I, I put out a thread. It was about three tweets. And basically, I, I told you, told everyone that even in past years when the Raiders had a new regime coming in, a new play caller, John Gruden coming in, I'll, I'll use John Gruden's regime as an example. Even in that first year, started off awful. You remember that Rams game when they started off mm. with Carr through this horrible pick and like, oh, Carr is not playing well. This is a continuation of 2017. As the year went on, you could see the progress in his play. And John Gruden has been known to have a complicated system as well, right? And we right. talked about Josh McDaniels, complicated system. But in that 2018 season, you saw the progress in Carr between September and December. You said, okay. He's improving. So this, this, you know, you can take this momentum into 2019 and we'll see a lot better from him. As you briefly mentioned, this year under Josh McDaniels, it seems the car has regressed. And that's not a good sign. And there were remember there were reports two weeks ago saying that basically Carr is auditioning and the Raiders are gonna look at these last four games as to make their decision basically on his future. If that's the case. Mm -hmm. It's not a good start for him <laughs> because in addition to the numbers that you put out, just looking at his passer rating, 85.1 in September, 88.7 in October, 
101 in November, when there was some hope that the Rays may be able to sneak back into the playoff picture. Right. There was that. And now in December so far, well, in December period, because there are no more December games, because next game is January 1st, 66.8 passer rating in December. So he's regressed, as we said. And we, we've all seen it. I talked about the turnovers. I talked about the completion rate. Right. I just talked about the passer rating. You rattled off some numbers. It's clear that he's headed in the wrong direction. And I was on this show, and I said, I think Derek Carr gets year 10. I'm going to stick with that for now. But I will say that all along I said I would draft a quarterback regardless of Derek Carr's status. Regardless of what the Raiders were going to do with Derek Carr, I would draft a quarterback. But I will say it seems less likely now that he's going to stick around if this continues because now he's got the 49ers coming up, and the 49ers have arguably the best defense in the league. Yes. So is he gonna is he gonna turn it around against the 49ers on you on, on New Year's Day? I highly doubt that. Now the Chiefs defense, mediocre up and down. Maybe he has a good game there, but at that point, it's the last week of the season, and I don't see the last week of the season impacting Derek Carr's future that much versus the previous three games when you had a chance to get back into the playoff picture. Yeah, and we'll we'll get to to whether or not he's back. Um, but but I just look at the numbers, and again, this is where it becomes a lot about the business and a lot about the future. Because again, if you're Dave Ziegler, a lot of P I see a lot of people, a lot of Twitter GMs talking about, well, they don't have a plan, so they're going to keep them. You don't know what their plan is. Number one. Mm -hmm. And number two, uh, when they saw Derek Carr, now he had a nice little stretch there. Like you talked about in November, but this has been sort of, there's been a malaise all season with Derek Carr and the numbers bear that out. And so if I'm Dave Ziegler, I've been planning for quite a while. I've been saying, okay, if he picks it up and he shows us and we go, then there's no question. We keep him. It's an easy decision. If he doesn't, then I got to start thinking about what we might be able to do. And I think that's where they could be. We don't know that for sure. But this idea, too, again, that Carr somehow, I think you have to look at a quarterback and look at his limitations. We all know what the limitations of Derek Carr is. He is not a playmaking quarterback like many of the other that would move you into the top 10, right? Not saying he's not a good quarterback at times, but that's not what I'm saying. Uh, his touchdown rate, I pulled this stat uh, out of a story today. Touchdown rate has gone over 5% of his throws only once since 2016 and his average yards per attempt have dipped they've gone down over the last three years now that to me is probably why when you see the deal that was struck with Derek Carr this past offseason Mo when Dave Ziegler came to the building this out they have in the contract and I've said and agreed with you all along which is you don't just release the guy because you could trade him. He does have value whether you like him or not he has value in the in the NFL especially if you look at some of these quarterbacks and you look at the Jets situation, like, believe me, he's got value. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, this is why they structured the contract that way, because you, in essence, had a year to audition. And at that point, the Raiders can walk away with $4 million if Derek Carr won't entertain a trade. And that's what I want to get into, because you're, you're writing about that. You wrote about it. You tweeted about it on Monday, as a matter of fact. Uh, we want to get into that. Derek Carr, if the Raiders approach him and say, hey, listen, man, um, we think it's time to move on. We have four spots interested in you, warm weather cities, dome cities, because we don't we know he's not going to want to play in the cold. Um, what do you think? If he says, nah, I'm not accepting a trade, I'll either retire or I'm coming back as a Raider. Um, you believe that that is more of a possibility, perhaps, than him accepting a trade? Where are you at with that? I think it's I think people are dismissing 
the possibility that he could walk away from football. And I say that because a lot of people are putting together these trade packages, landing spots for car as a, as a media content creator, I get it. That's what we do. But I think people need to mention because I haven't seen it in a lot of these columns that people write that Derek Carr has no trade clause. And he's also said recently that he'd rather retire than play anywhere else. Now that could be just him talking because in the moment he wants to be a Raider. I get it. That may, the Raiders are going to call his bluff on that. If, if it comes down to it, mm-hmm. it's a possibility. He's just talking. I get that. But I don't think we should totally dismiss the fact that he could walk away. Let's remember that he has signed two new contracts now. Now he would have to give probably have to give some of that money back if he retires. Not probably he will. Um, but he he's well off and he has his own, I believe, ministry to the altar conference where mm-hmm. he's very spiritual. He's very faith driven. So he has that. So it's not like he needs football for the money. Uh, if he really wants to retire and only play for the Raiders in his career, he can definitely do that. And I think it's a possibility. Well, I, I'm, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I have no intel on this. I have no inside information on Carr. I don't have Carr in my DMs telling me this. All I'm saying is that you have to bake that into, into your perspective thoughts about what the Raiders should do because he can. I'm not saying he will purposely make things difficult, but if he sticks to his mind that I'm a Raider or I'm retired, that changes a lot of things. And then you have to start saying, okay, how much money can we recruit from his contract and use that money to shift it and help that defense out? Right. And, and I agree with you. I, I don't, I mean, if a guy like Andrew Luck can walk away, I mean, we've seen these high level players just say, Hey, you know what? I'm done. Life is more than just football. football. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's their career and you get it, but he's a young dude. I mean, Derek Carr uh, has generational wealth already. Um, Knowing what we know about the family, you can assume that he's been very smart about it. Uh, and, 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 and to your point about his faith-based initiatives and what he does there, he's got a lot going on. And so he's got a lot of things he can do in life for, for a professional athlete. It is harder. If you read the, the Andrew Luck story that ran an ESPN a couple weeks ago, Andrew Luck regretted walking away the way he did, although now he's come to grips with it and he's okay with it. But, but I think Derek Carr is in that position. Now you might feel like you have something to prove. Is that something so strong in him? But again, I think, too, if you look at the destinations that are possible for Derek Carr, knowing what we know about his performance in cold weather um, and also for your health reasons, you might not want to play in cold weather. So where is he going to go? You have just a few destinations where he could. One could be Tampa if Tom Brady does indeed step away and doesn't come back to the Buccaneers. That's a team that seems more in position to actually make a quick step and be back to winning ways. So that's one location for him. Indy's another. They got issues there. I don't know if he wants to go there. We saw Philip Rivers go there, and we saw what happened with him. Uh, New Orleans is another spot, but you know there's other opportunities. But many of these other opportunities are in cold-weather cities like the Jets, and I don't know that he would do that. To me, I feel like he's going to know what his strengths are and be like, yeah, that's not one of my playing – playing half my games in cold weather probably not not going to be good for me. And so if that's the case, then maybe I do something different. Now you play in the NFC South, different story, right? You're, you're, you're playing in, inside in Atlanta and in, in New Orleans and playing in, in, uh, in uh, Tennessee, you know, off schedule when you're playing conference out of conference. So you're, you're playing games. Yeah. You're going to have a couple cold weather games, just like every team does. But overall, I can see him doing that too, Mo. The, the question though, then becomes, I think, again, people have to understand that it's a business decision. The Raiders really have not shown any 
any of their cards or have made any statements to say that they are committed to Derek Carr after this year. They, When they've been asked about it at times, they've been very, hey, we love Derek Carr, we love what he does, but they've not made any emphatic statements, which assumes that they're going to be open to all possibilities, trade or whatnot. Um, if the Raiders had to just walk away from him, Mo, um, you would think they have to do it quickly right after the Super Bowl. And you would have to think they got to be in the top five or six draft picks, right? Because that's the only way you're going to get a, a, a marquee rookie quarterback. You can get some later, but you got the four. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson all appear to be first-rounders still. Um what do they do if he wants to walk away? Do you is that a reason you bring him back, or if you're committed to moving on, you just move on, eat the four million dollars, and figure out your plan after that? That's the complicated situation that I will get into this week in an article on Sports Not, but I'll give ah. you a taste on the show today. This is my plan. This has always been my plan, right? I, as I said a few minutes ago. Regardless of what Derek Carr looked like this year, I was interested in drafting a quarterback. I'm yep. more so interested in drafting a quarterback now that the Raiders look like they're going to have a top 10 pick. Now, there's still two games left. They're ninth right now, I believe. But if they lose to the 49ers and lose to the Chiefs, that pick could be five or six. Right. At that point, I think you don't draft that high very often, mm -hmm. especially with the Devontae Adams and your team, Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro, Darren Wall, all these guys. You draft the quarterback with your first round pick without a doubt to me now as i said Derek Carr can make things complicated if he wants to walk away but then i also i've seen teams do this and players do this when they retire there are clauses on the contract where the team recoups a lot of that money so it's not like they're going to be on the hook for his entire contract if he wants to walk away they're going to recoup a lot of that so they can use a lot of that money to use in free agency or make a trade or what have you I took a peek at over the cap. The Raiders, I believe, are within the top 10 in cap space. I believe they have over $35 million right now projected. So I would guess that would be over $50 million if they recoup some of Derek Carr's money. But I will say that if, they're, if, if he's not the guy, if they decide they want to move on from him, there's really no point in keeping him around and then drafting a quarterback. I'm the type of guy that I would want my young rookie quarterback to play right away because – those are years that you can really pile up on talent and spend on, on, all the, on all the areas because you're not playing your quarterback very much. But I will say this. I have an alternative plan. If Derek Carr were to walk away or if they were to move on from Derek Carr, and the lateral Raider fans are not going to like to hear this, but I would acquire Mac Jones from the Patriots. Oh. Yes, I would acquire Dirty Mac, Mac Jones. Jones. Yes, I would acquire <laughs> Mac Jones and draft the quarterback, and I'll tell you why. Once you move on from a quarterback who's good but not great, you want to give yourself as many chances as you can to get it right at the position. Why put all your eggs in one basket with one quarterback that you draft? We've, we've already seen Zach Wilson looks like a bust. Trey Lance, we don't know yet. Justin Fields still in the developmental periods. But you don't know if that quarterback is going to pan out or not. Give yourself multiple options just in case that quarterback isn't what you think he will be. So I would I would acquire Mac Jones because he's still in the early stages of his developmental period. People are going to roll their eyes because of the way he's played this year, but you have to understand he's playing with a with an offensive play caller who's a defense who was a defensive coordinator. Matt Patricia is calling the plays over there. How many quarterbacks <laughs> would succeed in that environment? If you people have a short term memory, 
during his rookie year, Mac Jones looked like the best quarterback in his class over Trevor Lawrence, over Zach Wilson, over Justin Fields, over Trey Lance, because he had the best numbers with guess who? Josh McDaniels. So he mm-hmm. looked pretty good. I know the Pro Bowl is a popularity contest, and a lot of people just dismiss it, but there, it was clear that he, Mac Jones had the best year of those rookie quarterbacks last year. Yeah. So under Josh McDaniels. So I would bring him in. And at best, if he's the guy, you keep him. You have a you have a you have a, a early round quarterback that you just drafted, but then you can flip Mac Jones. If you if you really believe in that quarterback you drafted at number five or number six overall, and Mac Jones plays well, guess what? Now you can flip Mac Jones for more picks or another player and then start your rookie. But you're gonna have options. The point is you wanna have options because I know a lot of Raider fans are scared to move on from Derek Carr because yes. he may not be great, but he's an upper half of the league quarterback. Okay, well, as, as I said, you give yourself two options at the quarterback position to get it right. And I think Mac Jones, who knows the system, can come in and win games right away and still have a young quarterback that you're developing as a top five pick. And Mo, I, this is where I, I get, <clears throat> I do get a little, nah, I wouldn't say combative, I do get a little argumentative with some Raider fans out there who listen to our show when they argue this idea that, well, what are we going to do to get better? We can't draft a rookie and get better. Who says? Now, I understand the Raiders' history at the quarterback position. I get that. Now, I understand Zach Wilson. I understand some of these busts. Don't get me wrong. They happen. But why do you believe that it's going to happen if you draft a young quarterback? Doesn't necessarily happen. Yeah, it might take a year. To your point about having uh, a Mac Jones or a Gardner Minshew or somebody come in as a bridge quarterback who you know is competent, yeah, are they are they a top a top ten quarterback? No, they're not either. But you know that you can win with them and be competitive. And to me, that's the point. Is Raider fans? To me, this is where. And I could be wrong. And you guys correct me because you always do. Um, but I, I, I'm 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 flabbergasted by Raider fans who feel like they're on the right track or something. This team vastly underperformed and did poorly this year. Look at the record. Why do you believe that if you move on and get a bridge guy or a young quarterback that you're somehow going to go from four wins to three wins? I mean, what's the difference there? At that point, you got to build up. You got to spend money on defense. You got to spend money to improve the offensive line and get these different tools. So I don't understand this uh, this this sort of paralysis of but we're average. Let's stay average. Right, and I think it's just the the fright of it could be worse. Right, a lot of Raider fans. It always be worse. That's that's the fright. It could be worse, but you know what? It could also be better. You know, that's my point. That's my point. So, so that's and this is my point about getting Mac Jones. I know again, I know Raider fans are gonna roll their eyes because they Mike Mike, Mac Jones doesn't seem like a likable character, but it's not about liking. It's about (laughs) winning ball games. It's about planning, and you can address the short term. You can win games with Mac Jones. Josh McDaniels has proven that. Last year, the Patriots went to the playoffs with a 10-7 and record with, I believe, a top-10 scoring defense with Mac Jones being a pro bowler, okay? Right. So I, I get it. This recency bias. Mac Jones sucks because he sucks this year. But as I said, he has a defensive coordinator calling his plays. <laughs> who is Again, who is going to succeed with that? Pair Mac Jones but- with Josh McDaniels again. The Raiders can win games in the now and have their future in tow with their draft pick. Yeah, and it's amazing to me that people will people are going to listen to this conversation, okay, Mo, and they're going to say you're crazy. Mac Jones sucks. I know, I know, right? And and here's a guy with, like you said, a defensive coordinator calling his offense. No, t- 
No, no talent on offense. I mean, really, they're they're bereft of talent on offense in New England. I'm sorry, it's got to cut you off. His best receiver is Jacoby Myers. Correct. Think about that. His best receiver is Jacoby Myers, who's probably a three on most NFL teams. Can you think what he could do with Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, and Hunter Renfro under a guy he knows and the system he knows? And and this is what baffles me is that will be the argument for for I guess I should say against your point of view on Mac Jones, but yet Derek Carr has all those weapons on offense and it's not his fault. This is where I find right. the duality in Raider Nation to be just mind-boggling because you say this guy sucks and he has absolutely no talent with no offensive coaching whatsoever, mm-hmm. and yet you have a coach. You can hate McDaniel's if you want. He did well last year in New England calling the offense, and Derek Carr has Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller back now, and other tools, and is declining. So, again, just to put it in full, that's the that's the uniqueness of and, and, I, and I also want to be clear. I'm not saying Mac Jones is better than Derek Carr. No. He's not. I'm not he's saying not. Mac Jones is, is going to be better than Derek Carr. That, that's not why you're bringing him in. You're bringing him in so you can win games now with right. Mac Jones because he's familiar with Josh McDaniels and the system. You can win games in 2023 and still have your future behind him. And again, yes. if he plays well, you can flip him, Mac Jones, for draft picks. If he turns into be the guy, so be it. He turns into be, be the guy, you can flip that draft pick. But uh, to your point, it is funny how Derek Carr doesn't play well. Oh, it's all the play call's fault. He uh, Play calling sucks. Mac Jones sucks. Well, he has a defensive coordinator, as, as I've said plenty of times, calling his plays. His best receiver is Jacoby Myers. He, he just last year he just played an offense that was sixth in scoring. Yeah, sixth in scoring with Josh McDaniels. You don't think he can win some games with the weapons that the Raiders have? You're out of your mind. Right, and and again, not as the long term guy. Although if he, right. who knows if he turns knows? into an MVP, he turns into an MVP. If he doesn't, then you've drafted a young quarterback and you're in a good spot. Right. He's, so you have he's Plan only, A and Plan B. He's remember he's only in his 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 second year. Yeah. So he's it's not like he's. This is not Mitch Trubisky. Like we, <laughs> we, he's still developing. He's still right. in his early years. He still could be on the ascend. So that's why yes. you take a chance with him. You do, and you recoup a lot of dough to rebuild the rest of that roster. All right, we're going to step aside for our second break. When we come back, Mo and I will get some more into where this team goes. Where is it at? What do we need to do? to see the Raiders get better. How much of it is coaching? Have we seen any improvement there? What can we identify? We'll talk about all of that. You're listening to Silver and Black today in Odyssey Original Podcast. We'll be back right after these words. Welcome back. Home stretch here on Silver and Black today, the Tuesday, the post-Christmas edition. We hope you had a wonderful and joyful and blessed Christmas with your families. I know Mo and I did. He is Mo Moten. He is a national NFL writer at Bleacher Report. Also, he writes a little bit about the Raiders up on sportsnot.com. Make sure you check out his column this week. It's a doozy. You're going to love it. Make sure you read it. And also follow him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. You can follow me at LV Gully. Also, you can follow the show at SNB Today. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, as well as our YouTube channel. Okay, Mo, we jump back into this Raiders, what they're going to do now. And, and we talked a lot about Derek Carr uh, because it is the topic du jour, and it's going, to, it's going to dominate every single news cycle for the Raiders until the day 
that the contract is 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 either renewed or they release or trade him. It's going to be hard to trade him, I think, because of the quick turnaround time. But we'll see what happens there. Uh, but there are other things we got to consider, and that is when you look at what the Raiders have to do now and later, i.e. moving up to the draft, which we'll have full coverage here on Silver and Black today, um, is is the idea of going back to, I was listening to the post-game show or pre-game show on some of the NFL games on Christmas, and I don't, I don't know if it was Boomer Esiason or one of the guys on CBS, he was talking about how in, in the NFL, and you and I have talked about this in the past, actually, in the NFL, what you your first priority always as a general manager and a franchise is to number one, win your division, right? Win your division, get a home game in the playoffs. If you want to win a Super Bowl eventually, even if you're not there yet, that's where you have to start. You have to win your division, get a home game in the playoffs uh, to set yourself up for long-term success in a championship. So we look at this Raiders team, and I know it seems somewhat laughable to talk about uh, the Raiders upending the Chiefs in this division. We were talking about it eight months ago. A lot of fans thought it was going to happen. But we look at this division, uh, and we look at what the Raiders have to do, and I can't help but, and this is not, again, hating on Derek Carr, you have to look at the quarterback position. You look at the top two teams in the AFC West, the Chiefs and the Chargers. Raider fans have an obsession with belittling uh, uh, Justin Herbert, he is a very good quarterback, and I know a lot of you who listen to this show because you don't like us will say, oh, here's Scott's Charger fandom coming out. No, it's not. Look at the national media. Look at people who cover the league. But if you look at the situation, Mo, you have to build, you have to have a quarterback. Right now, the Raiders and the Broncos are behind significantly in that race when you look at having a quarterback who can win the division, lead your team to win the division. Not only that, guess what? The division title for now has to go through Kansas City. And have you seen what the weather's like in Kansas City in January when you have to roll into the playoffs or in Buffalo? Okay? The AFC's supreme teams all are cold weather cities. You're going to have to go in there and win if you're going to make it through, uh, unless you're going to be a division winner. So you look at that and you look at this roster and what they need to do to catch up to Kansas City, to catch up to Buffalo, to catch up to Baltimore in some ways, Cincinnati even. Where does this Raiders team start, Mo? Does, does it have to start at quarterback? Or do you start on the defense? Do you Where do you start with that in mind as the goal? You had to look at it from both ends because if you're going to up in Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, one of two things have to happen. You have to have a quarterback who can go drive for drive with Patrick Mahomes, or you have to have a defense that can counter him and at least slow him down to give your offense a chance to outscore the Chiefs. So that's what I'm saying. You have to look at it from both ends. And, of course, I think the way the Raiders' season has gone, all options have to be on the table. And this is and this is what I say about moving off from Derek Carr. It's not about getting better immediately if you're moving off yes. Derek Carr, yes you're not you're not going to find a better quarterback on the free agent market you're looking at the upside two Correct. years down the line three years down the line is this quarterback able to go into kansas city cincinnati and buffalo in the cold weather if he has to and win football games early in the show in the early segments we, we talked about Carr and his struggles in the cold weather so the next quarterback if they move on is that guy able to play well in cold, inclement conditions because, as you just said, you're probably going to have to go on the road and beat the Bengals. You're probably going to have to go on the road. You are going to have to go on the road and beat the Chiefs in your division. You're going to have to go on the road and beat Buffalo. 
Baltimore, if assuming Lamar Jackson stays there, Baltimore is, I know the Raiders have beat Baltimore recently. I get it. But the Ravens are consistently in the playoffs. The Raiders are not. Right. So you're probably, you might have to go to Baltimore and win a football game there. And let me tell you, it's also cold there. So as I said, really quick, it's not about getting better in 2023 with a, with a move on at quarterback. It's about the future. Is this guy, can he exceed the ceiling that Derek Carr has? And this is where, too, I've gotten into some discussions with folks, which is the idea that, well, we're going to get worse. Yeah, you are. If, yeah. if you move on, you might take a step back, but sometimes you have to, right? Because, again, and it's not an insult to people. It really is not. But you can't play, you can't play checkers here, folks. It has to be chess. This is the NFL. Mm -hmm. I know as fans, you want to make the playoffs next year. And I hope for your sake they somehow do, okay? But when you're building a franchise, you cannot sit there and say, Okay, let's go for the now. Like, no, you have to look long term. And if that means, yeah, we take a step back at quarterback, seemingly uh, from a veteran to somebody who's less experienced or whatever, then you do it because guess what? If you want to win a Super, the, this is what I made the point a couple weeks ago, and I don't know that it, I, I don't know that I did it well enough, Mo. But the idea that Derek Carr, even if he stays, is this team going to win a Super Bowl within the three years that Derek Carr is the quarterback? I say absolutely not. Even if they keep him, and there is a chance they keep him, I just don't see them building the roster fast enough. I know fast turnarounds come, but all things together, the quarterback, his declining skills, the match with the coaching staff, the talent on the roster, what you still have to do to the roster, I just didn't see it adding up. So sometimes you might have to take a step back to take that step forward. And I think that the, the modern NFL and what is happening here too is it's great Derek Carr's loyalty will never be forgotten. He, again, Raider for life, the whole thing. I got it. He's been a good dude at times, like last year, stepped up, took control, kept people together. Amazing job by him. At the same time, they're now in need of a different skill set, I believe. And that's where we're at. I just want to bring up something really quickly. When the Chiefs moved on from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes, we now it's easy now in hindsight to say, yeah, easy transition. But we didn't know. No one, I mean, I won't say no one. There are some people who thought Patrick Mahomes was going to be good. But when mm -hmm. he was coming to the league, they were saying that he could be erratic at times. You're going to have to rein him in because he, he'll make mistakes. Before we knew Patrick Mahomes to be the MVP caliber player that he is now, there was a risk that the Chiefs would regress after moving on with Alex Smith. Now, they made the right choice at quarterback, and, and they're set for the foreseeable future. But there's always, whenever you move on from a quarterback who's good but not great, there's always a risk of regression. Mm -hmm. But you have to trust in your scouting department. I think that's where Raiders fans get nervous because the Raiders have whiffed on picks, top picks, <laughs> year after year after year. And I think that's why... They're hesitant to move on from Derek Carr because the Raiders have not given them a, a reason to believe that they're going to hit on that quarterback pick. But I will say, you got to give Dave Ziegler a chance because new scouting department, you can't put the ills of the past on the present. It's like saying, okay, this new girlfriend that I have is going to screw up because the last five, six, seven girlfriends that I've had screwed up. You can't do that. This is a new person, new a new scouting department. Give them a chance. Right. To earn your trust. Right. And not only that, I mean, again, the, the endless excuses. 
And and sometimes I can be hyperbolic and I'll say things. Uh, and and I, I said after the game that 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 it was it was completely ridiculous for you to say that the Raiders shouldn't think about moving on. Mm-hmm. And part of that part of the responses, Mo, were well, and you talk about Patrick. I had people telling me that Patrick Mahomes, I mean Derek Carr had a better arm than Patrick Mahomes. Uh, that if if that if Derek Carr had a Hall of Fame coach like Andy Reid, he probably would have won a Super Bowl. It's like stop, just stop, okay? Because Andy Reid, yes, a Hall of Fame coach, but you can't move the goalposts every time the conversation changes to something else, especially when the player is not performing. And I think you look at that situation to your point, and we talked about it earlier in the show. People afraid to move on because it could get worse. Yes. But if it doesn't get worse and it stays the same, would you be happy? And it goes back to the analogy I used and somebody put up on Twitter again on Christmas, which was this idea that you're in a bad relationship with somebody else and you're just going to stay in it because it's easier than going out and finding somebody new. Because you know what? Everything new is difficult. Everything new takes effort and risk and faith, okay? And and if you're not willing to do that, then you kind of just paddle water. You're not getting closer to the shore. You're not going further out to sea, but you're just paddling. And so if that's what Raider Nation wants, I always thought it was a commitment to excellence. I always thought it was just win, baby. If that's what it's about, then you can't just stay stagnant. You need to move, take risks. Dave Ziegler has not had a chance to build the roster yet. He's had one draft, which he came into quickly. Okay. And now you're talking about if you have a top five or six pick, let's say, heck, even top eight pick, Mo, top eight pick, you have the opportunity at a position like quarterback to set your franchise up for a generation, okay? And if that's the key, as a GM, I want that opportunity, don't you? Absolutely, and I just want to address something that you don't have to have a number one overall pick to have a quarterback to take you to the next level. Look at some of the starting quarterbacks right now that that have elevated their team. Jalen Hurts was a second rounder. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen wasn't a number one overall pick. He was in the top 10, but he wasn't number one overall. I mean, you can hit on a quarterback that's not a number one or number two overall pick, and he could still elevate your squad. So don't be afraid because, oh, the Raiders had the sixth or seventh overall pick, and they and they picked the third quarterback on the board. Doesn't mean that that quarterback is going to be lesser than the quarterback who was drafted one or two again. You yeah. have to rest your your faith in that scouting department. And I say, I say it again. Give Dave Ziegler and his guys a chance. He came into a team that, of course, they traded their first two picks for Devontae Adams. We get it. So he didn't have a full-fledged draft class. I want to see what he can do with a quarterback pick and Josh with Josh McDaniels developing that quarterback. Cause as I said in a previous segment, Patriots drafted a quarterback, I believe 15 overall somewhere. Yeah. Mac Jones was in a top 10 pick. Mm-mm. And he turned into a pro bowler his first year under Josh McDaniels. Now, Josh McDaniels, the offensive play call is different than Josh McDaniels, the head coach, but he's proven that he can develop talent. So I say give him a chance. Yeah, it's a, it's a small sample size because I know a lot of people like to excuse away Josh McDaniels' success in New England with the offense because of Tom Brady. And I get that. I understand it to a certain degree. But in the small sample size with Mac Jones last season, he surely developed and played to his strengths, and it worked on offense. Again, I have my criticisms and have been very hardcore about my criticisms of Josh McDaniels this year. He's made a lot of mistakes, but he is going to be your coach. Okay. And he's going to have the opportunity 
to to develop whatever talent Dave Ziegler brings in. And I think you have to do that. Whether you like that or not, you're not switching coaches and GMs every year because you lose. It's not going to happen, okay? Um, Yeah. Scott, I hate to interrupt you, but the Denver Broncos have fired Nathaniel Hackett. And I will say, Raiders fans, as bad as it's been, just be (laughs) happy it's not the Denver Broncos type of dumpster fire that it is today. Yeah, that that Nathaniel Hackett uh, firing, I, I, I'm shocked it took as long as it did, especially with what's happened uh, and what happened on, on, on Christmas night uh, with that 51-point uh, just drubbing by the Rams and Baker Mayfield again. And that's the one thing, too, I'll say, yes, it could be worse for Raider fans, um, but it's also a great example. There's a lot of similarities. Stick with me on this comparison, Mo between the Broncos and the Raiders this year because now the Raiders offense is not as bad as the Broncos offense. Russell Wilson is like a shell of himself. It's been terrible there. That contract will haunt them forever unless he makes some massive comeback next year. But I will say this, the Denver Bronco defense is good, but look what happens when your offense doesn't score. As good as the Broncos defense is, and they've had some injuries too, but they've still very good off or good defense. Despite how good that defense is, the Broncos continue to lose because they can't score points. Does that sound familiar? Sounds very familiar. It sounds uh, – it's it's funny how – we talked about this before the season, right? We had high expectations for the AFC West. I thought all the teams in AFC West would have double-digit wins. I was way off on that, obviously. But as you you said, while the Raiders have a better situation than the Broncos – it's not that far removed, especially Correct. when you – I mean, Derek Carr's completion – people want to make fun of Russell Wilson and his play. Derek Carr's completion rate is very close to Russell Wilson's. Yes. Very close. Now, I'm not saying Russell Wilson has played better than Derek Carr. Derek Carr has been better than Russell Wilson. But it's like mm-hmm. – it's like – it's not far removed. <laughs> it's not so let's – don't, don't, you know, don't point and laugh at the donkey. The Raiders fans like to say donkey. Don't point and laugh <laughs> at the donkeys because – Raiders haven't been that great, and and they've had their offensive lapses, of course. Now, they've Mm -hmm. had some flashes, way more flashes than the Broncos. But when you look at some of the halves that the Raiders have, very comparable to the Broncos. Well, and remember, the Raiders have a miraculous win. Now, that game, if if, if New England did what they were supposed to, it would have gone in overtime. Who knows what would have happened there, but it could have gone the other way. And I know a lot of Raider fans, the positive thinking Raider fans, and good for you. I'm glad you stay positive. You're optimistic, not pessimistic. Um, there's a couple wins the Raiders had that could have very easily gone the other way. And they always talk about the losses going the other way, but they could they could they could be sitting at three wins. It real realistically, okay. So you're right about them being close to the Broncos, but they elevated their play. They made a play here or there where the Broncos haven't. And frankly, the Broncos defense just I hate to see it, but it just quit. Because it's been on the yeah. field. It's exhausted. You talk about exhaustion. They haven't been able to do it. And that's what I've seen with the Raiders at the end of these games that they've lost, including the Rams game, including the Steelers game. Like, how much more do these guys do with the talent they have? And the answer is not very much. Um, but, Mo, you look at the situation, and there's a lot of things in flux with this, this Raiders team. As we get geared up for the shows, again, we'll be back tomorrow with our mailbag show and then Thursday with our preview show going into the holiday weekend before the Raiders take on the 49ers at home on New Year's Day. But you look at this, um, it's it's really a two-week audition, right? We talked about it. And, and there's guys who, who you're going to see playing for their lives. We've seen some of these players on the Raiders uh, play phenomenally. We don't know the extent of the injury. We won't know till tomorrow. 
on Perryman uh, and on Chandler Jones on what their availability will be against the 49ers. Uh, but all things considered, it's a rough go these last two games for this Raiders. So you kind of have to wonder what you're going to see. Are we seeing the end of not only Derek Carr stay in Las Vegas, but perhaps Darren Waller uh, and others uh, that the, the Raider fans have come to, to enjoy and like over this time frame? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I don't. The status quo is definitely going to change. Mm -hmm. Two things I wanted to point out. I believe it was on your ticker in the last segment, but we didn't get to it. But Josh Jacobs had a diatribe yes. at the end of of, of the, the Steelers' loss, and basically he he kind of says something similar to what Derek Carr says that it's frustrating to see guys bust their butts and not get the results. It seemed to me that he was indirectly calling out some guys. Yeah, and then. Devontae Adams, I was on Twitter and I shared it with you and Evan. Baldy had a tweet um, of NFL Network. He had a tweet saying, are the Raiders not allowed to throw to Devontae Adams in this weather? He's played in this weather for eight years in Green Bay, basically. <laughs> Devontae Adams liked the tweet. So it seems like Devontae Adams is also frustrated with Derek Carr and or the play caller in Josh McDaniels. So you have two of your key players who are clearly not happy right now. And no. they shouldn't be. But no. I will say I will say this: the problem wasn't that Devontae Adams was, wasn't getting the ball. He had nine targets, but he had two catches. Again, his connection with Carr was way off on Christmas Eve, and you're seeing the frustration boil over. Yeah, and and it's hard. We could we for those who want to see Derek Carr gone, they can easily say, "See, Carr's not connecting with him. He's not getting the ball to him in the right way." Is blah blah blah, blah. Uh, and then those who want to defend him will say, "Well." Devontae Adams isn't catching the ball or they're not whatever it may be. It might be Josh McDaniels fault. He's not calling the right plays. But again, I remind people we don't know, but the NFL quarterback in certain systems has the ability to check out a plays. We hear Derek Carr do it at the line all the time and he has the ability to go to receivers he wants to. And so we don't know where the miss, the misconnection is, but we do see, I think with, with, with Josh Jacobs comments, Josh Jacobs is always a very quiet, respectful guy. He talks to the media, but he never does anything like we saw him do on Christmas Eve after the Steelers lost. And so that, I don't think this team has been lost by the, or been lost to the coaching staff. I don't sense that. We're not in the locker room mode, but I don't sense that. What I do sense is that there is a major division amongst factions in that locker room. Where it is and who's on what side, we don't know. It's going to be fascinating to find out. And internally, they have a better idea than we do. And and you might start to see decisions and roster uh, moves after the season ends in a couple of weeks that might tell us exactly where and how that happened. Yeah, it's definitely Josh, you know, Josh Jacobs contract situation. Does he want to be back if certain guys are back? Of course, right. we know we probably not going to get those stories until years down the line, but he could have a mindset that if a certain person is back with this team, I don't want to be part of it. Devontae mm -hmm. Adams, a lot of people want to say De Devontae Adams is going to leave if De Derek Carr leaves. What if Devontae Adams is more frustrated with Josh McDaniels? You know, so it, yeah. there are so many ways to look at this. We're not in a locker room, so we're only speculating. But clearly the frustration is going to lead to a lot of changes. 
there's going to be a lot of changes and uh, there's going to be a lot of emotion uh, from yep. the fans out there, from our listeners and viewers. So I understand it. And and even if Mo and I disagree with you on how to fix it, sometimes we're not always right. I, I talked right. about it yesterday. I said, I'm wrong all the time. I'll admit when mm-hmm. I'm wrong. You got a lot of folks in the content world who were very pro the quarterback, pro the coach. And then when things go poorly, they get very quiet and don't talk about it. We don't do that. When we're wrong, we're wrong. Mm -hmm. I tweeted something about Mahomes winning the Super Bowl with a subpar defense. It was a top 10 defense. Somebody corrected me. I said, absolutely, you're right. I was thinking about the year before. Hey, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't mind admitting it, uh, but let's have honest discussion. And that's what our goal is always here on Silver and Black today is to have honest discussion. We're not always right. You're not always going to agree with us, and that's cool but we're going to tell it like it is. And we'll keep doing that through these final two weeks. And of course, through the off season. All right, Mo, we are done with Tuesday's show. We're going to be back. We haven't done in a few weeks because the holidays and everything. We're going to do a mailbag show tomorrow. I'm excited about that. Definitely enjoy the mailbags. Definitely enjoy getting back to the readers. Haven't done it in a while. I was sick. You were sick. Holiday season. <laughs> so now we're getting back into the flow. Love getting hearing from the Raider fans and people who watch the show and listen to it. Yeah, and I, I I guarantee you there'll be no questions about Derek Carr, right? None. It'll no, just yeah. all be about oh, no. offensive line and defensive backs. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it no will Derek be. Carr. All right, everybody. Uh, again, make sure you subscribe to the show. We are an Odyssey original podcast. Uh, make sure you get it wherever you're able to get your podcast. Just hit the auto download so that you get it anytime we have a new episode out. Also, make sure you like and then subscribe, and then also hit the notifications bell on YouTube. For Mo Moten, I am Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black Today. We will see you guys tomorrow on Wednesday for Raider Nation Mailbag. Take care, everybody.